0: Hello and welcome to this week's Texan Overtime. The last week, due to my uh, idiot nature and uh, and a couple of technical difficulties, we failed to upload. We're giving you a special early week uh, edition.
1: JT's on a huge hot streak right now, might I add.
0: I want to say this, okay? Let me just say this. I have been good at my job for a long time, and so I get a couple of bad weeks. It's like it's like Tom Brady. Tom Brady at the beginning of every season, he'll have like one or two off games, and they'll say, "Oh man, Bill Belichick's done, Tom Brady's done," and then guess what? He wins the Super Bowl again. I, so let me just say, that's me. I was yeah. gonna say that
1: you're like Stephen A. Like, or a, it's, you're like Stephen A. of like the audio world. It's like oh
2: yeah that, or it's a, a rebuilding week, a few rebuilding weeks, if you will. You know, you're, yeah. just, you're tanking a little bit just uh you know. We're
0: gonna get the number one overall pick in the Daily Texan <laughs> audio department draft. uh it's slim Pickens, but uh let me introduce the guys that uh, will continue to tell me i'm bad at my job Uh, of course i'm joined by sports editor ross burkhart what's going on uh joined by men's basketball beat writer robert larkin yo robert by the way beforehand was so upset at the prospect of me not publishing a podcast he uh he shared with me a nice video you should all look it up uh it's called uh publishing a podcast for dummies uh (laughs) And uh, he thought that would be helpful for me.
2: Six minutes long, if you uh, cared to watch it by yourself later and I, take individual notes. I don't
0: even take that much time in my job, so let's not <laughs> pretend. Uh, we're also joined by uh, the man the, with a plan. The man. The man. Clark, Clark Dalton. That man, Clark Dalton. <laughs> Clark Dalton is uh, is I think the tallest one, but the youngest one here. Clark is uh, women's women's tennis beat writer as well as one of my staffers. Um, and if I keep up my current rate, he will be my boss next week. So uh, anyway, we're going to jump right into it. We're going to jump into the coin flip. The coin flip, of course, is what starts every overtime, and it's a 50-50 question uh, that you guys uh, can decide on. So this, this week, in the spirit of student government president and vice president elections, which are going on for the next couple weeks on campus, I'm, kinda, I'm curious, given the choice between two Texas football legends... Ricky Williams Ooh. and Deontay Foreman. Oh. Which would be the better student government body president?
1: I'm going to let you kick this off,
2: Robert. Uh, yeah. So I, I'll, uh, you know. Wait, wait, they're, wait. They're, why them?
1: Yeah, they, they're running backs
0: And they're running for office. <laughs> did you like, did, I, no, I, I, I'm
1: genuinely curious. Like when you said this is the coin flip, did you just think of that question just now? about a minute ago. It was okay. a coin flip in his mind. Okay, uh, okay, yeah. Um wow. Uh tough. Tough. I think I'm going to take Ricky. All right, be careful what you say, your mom's listening. I think I'm going to take Ricky <laughs> Williams. Yeah. Um he's, and he's on the Green Party ticket. Yeah, but because <laughs> I uh because I have never experienced the situation, I don't know how I'm supposed to justify this. I mean, he's got a Heisman. I trust that. Yeah. That's fine. He had a good stint with the Dolphins. All right, It was good. I think that makes somebody trustworthy.
0: I think he's got a very clear platform, even if that platform does not necessarily is not necessarily legal. But he's got a very clear platform, and there's something to admire about that.
1: I like that. I like. I think. I think I could take a guess on some of his stances on those issues, and yeah. and I think I'm on war with that.
0: How about you, Robert?
2: Um, on the f- to play the uh, devil's advocate here, I guess I'll go with Deontay. <laughs> Because he's more in touch with what's going on around campus, being a recent graduate, and he didn't retreat to California like Ricky has done, and you know, I'll just so I'll stick w- with that with the w- native Houstonian.
1: He wouldn't leave Texas. Is this yeah. for Senate or is this for President? Student. This government.
2: is student government president, so he's more in oh, touch with the students. Better. Yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying.
1: Oh, got it. Yeah. I don't know if my answer would change if it were President or Senate. <laughs> I would say no. I think, I, I think I'd say low to Ricky. All right. National platform, I take Ricky, though. This is the weirdest coin flip we've ever had.
0: I, I just got out of a student government uh, executive alliance <laughs> debate, so it's on the mind.
1: JT <laughs> is really keeping up this hot streak, and apparently the SG podcast is now blending over into Texan overtime.
0: Oh, by the way, uh, if you want to listen to the SG podcast, it's called The Rodeo. You can subscribe on SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you get your podcasts. All right, and uh, we've just got Robert here, so we're going to talk about men's basketball in a bit. But first, I wanted to turn it over to Ross. Tell us, what's coming through the sports desk? What are we missing from Texas athletics that maybe we can't get into on this podcast?
1: Well, I'm really looking forward to this weekend because we have a ton of content. I'm going to be editing all day because we have nine different stories coming in. But uh, throwing it back to the last weekend a little bit, um, Texas baseball, they went 3-1 and one against Purdue. And the Texas baseball team, they continue that homestand this week with a couple of games on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then they've got a big challenge this weekend against the LSU Tigers, who I have uh, kept at my number one spot in our weekly baseball poll. Um, And over on the other diamond, over at McCombs Field, the Texas softball team continues their tear uh, so far into into Mike White's tenure here. They're twelve and one now, including nine and zero over at uh, over at Macombs Field. They only won twenty one games at home all of last season, and they've already won nine. They're I mean they're halfway there, and we're a week or two into the season.
0: Well, I think that might be due to the fact that he's from New Zealand, which is where Lord of the Rings was filmed. Yeah, so he's got some magic that he's. Did bringing you
1: know in. that you can stay at those uh, those little Hobbit houses? The Shire. Like, the shire it's, yeah, it's still there. Like, yeah. you can stay there. That would be cool.
0: And that's I think that's there's something in the water there that Mike White brought over.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, they call them Kiwis over there, don't they? They call them
0: Kiwis, uh, yeah, I think everywhere. Yeah.
1: So he's got something going on. Yeah. But um, before we get over to the, uh, to the men's side of things, we're currently recording this while the uh, the women's basketball game is going on against Baylor. So far, things not looking so hot for the Longhorns, who are down plus 20. Uh, in the third quarter. So I can't wait to see when this is over that they have came back and won against number one Baylor. So we'll come back uh, with more coverage of that later.
0: But for now, let's kick it over to men's basketball. All right, uh, Robert, this weekend, Texas uh, disappointed, I think is probably the right word against uh, Oklahoma. Texas lost uh, 69-67. It was a game where at times it didn't even look like they were in it. Uh, They struggled to get the ball inside. They constantly were relying on the three, even though they couldn't really rely on the three. Uh, Talk a little bit about that. That game had a lot of storylines going through it, maybe poor decision-making, the loss of Kerwin Roach. But what really stood out to you uh, from that matchup?
2: Yeah, JT, um, in our un- you know unpublished podcast last week we previewed the OU game but that came before we knew about the suspension of Kerwin Roach and the Texas offense for the better part of the first half looked pretty discombobulated looked like they missed his leadership especially he kind of forces into the ball into the paint um, being who he is as a player and I think they got away from that aspect of the offense for the better part of the first half and it really hurt them they were trailing by as many as 17 or double higher double double digits and uh you know it was pretty disappointing to see i guess texas fail to use uh the big man advantage that they had against oklahoma in the first matchup uh you know you didn't really see dylan Ozakowski and jackson hayes get that involved uh assert their presence into the game but when they did um, you know, there were positive results. They came back in the second half, a late charge down um, in late in the second half. But as we said all season long with these Longhorns, it seems to be uh, too little too late in these close games. And um, this is a loss that damages their tournament reputation, like their resume. And, you know, who knows? They think they were thinking Big 12 uh, title op- aspirations before that loss, but. I think those have sailed out the window with two big games coming up against Baylor and, and Texas Tech.
0: Well, and I want to continue the thread on, on Jackson Hayes. He was a monster on defense. Uh, I think he had seven blocks, mm. uh, which was just incredible. His effort was was really good. But like you said, they didn't include him a ton until maybe the very end. One thing that I noted was that at about 10, 12 minutes left in the second half, they put up on the graphic on ESPNU, they put – uh, Oklahoma points in the paint 31 Texas 6 mm-hmm. w- why do you think they weren't going down low
2: I don't know I mean so Texas I think when I thought about before the game I really thought they would use the pick and roll heavily and they did they tried to in the opening portion of the game they did so pretty well but uh, started to drift away from that and I think it hurts when you don't have Kerwin Roach out there who's really effective and fast off the dribble and you're just relying on Matt Coleman and you know, Eli Mitru Long is um, you know, not as quick with the ball in his hands as Kerwin Roach is, so that hurts your pick-and-roll game, and I think they struggled to get the ball into the paint when Oklahoma was just... Oklahoma ran, ran a zone defense at some points, too. That kind of troubled the uh, Longhorn-Bingman, but um, I think it's a nice development to see what Jackson Hayes did toward the end of the game, especially since he had kind of decreased his production in previous games, and so... You know, he showed a lot. I thought he, his play with, the, with his back to the rim was really nice. He showed some um, nice development in his game that I didn't know that he had. And, of course, you get the, the assertiveness on, defne- on defense. Um, and he played really strong in that area, too, kept out of foul trouble. And, you know, that's what the Longhorns are going to need as they approach the NCAA tournament, which is they're going to have to rely on Jackson Hayes to become that guy who can solidify uh, the back end like Mo Bama did for them last season. Uh, Because if you pair Ozikowski when he's playing well and Hayes when he's playing well, I mean, Texas is a scary team, but uh, too often that combination has not been clicking at the same time.
1: And and I think, I mean, of course, one of the big question marks surrounding this team right now is when are they going to get back Kerwin Roach
2: um, from the
1: indefinite suspension? The early reports say that um, it's up to Chris Del Conte, it's out of Shaka's hands. Um, and also that, I mean, he probably will return at some point this season. It's his last year. Um, they've only got a couple more regular season games left before they start to kick off postseason play. But I think either way you look at it, I mean, without Roach or not, I mean, the numbers are concerning. Uh, they got beaten bench points, 15 to five. You, you can't put up five points even without your starting point guard in a game against Oklahoma on the road. Nonetheless, um, and then they get beat, points in the paint, 37 to 26, whenever you're without your guard. Um, Yet they took 31 threes in the matchup. I mean, you think without some of that ball handling and and contribution outside, they might want to work it down low. Yeah. Do you think that's a coaching error? Do you think it's something where, you know, the players aren't quite wrapping their minds all the way around their identity? I mean, this is the same thing that we saw at the beginning of the year. Remember where... It was the whole question about the, the three pointers. It was like, well, why are they going to take so many? This isn't that kind of team. What's going on? I mean, I mean
2: yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard. I don't want to speculate too much because, you know, we don't really know what Chaka Smart is telling the players on the right. floor. But I, I mean, I would be, it's safe to say it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, uh, in the discussions that we've had, Chaka Smart has always said that he wants his guys to work the ball inside, he wants them to be aggressive, attack the paint. And, I have little doubt in my mind that he was telling them the same thing on Saturday, but of course being told that and executing it are two different things, especially when, I mean, part of that's Oklahoma wasn't spaced Like their defense was not spacing out to the perimeter because Texas wasn't hitting threes consistently. They can pack the paint more and Texas didn't really know what to do when presented with that. And so what's put the blame at half and half. I mean, part of that is players not executing, but part of that is designing an offense that can kind of circumvent that error and and stuff like that. And, you know, I think we've seen a couple of times this season where, you know, it's just failed. They failed to get the ball in the paint. And as a result, they've they've lost.
1: And another interesting case study that I think a lot of fans have talked about is Jace Febris and, you know, the, the, Roller coaster season. He's had ups and downs. Seems like constantly the highs are high and the lows are very low. Uh, I mean, every shot that he took, obviously on the floor in Norman, was a was a three pointer. He goes five for fifteen. Uh, he's their leading scorer, but um, eventually not enough. Um, I'm interested to hear wh- what do you know about from talking to Jace from talking to Shaka. Um, what kind of role? Has Shaka like kind of lined out for him, and, and is it kind of like a even though you know he's he's a sophomore, he's one of these younger guys. It, it, if he's got a shot, is Shaka always encouraging him
2: like, if
1: you've got it, go ahead and take it, like more of a green light thing, no matter what.
2: Yeah, it, it is. It is a green right, a green light relationship between Shaka and Jace. I think okay. that um, they've told him consistently. You're a great shooter. They want to build this confidence. If you're open, take it. They're not going to say, uh, you know, put the ball on the floor if you if you have an open shot. They want him to pull uh, the shot if if it's open. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, we see like his str- we see his struggles on a consistent basis, and sometimes in games it it looks like the shot isn't there. But he's increased his shooting percentages from three. Uh, drastically over uh, since his last year, and and Shaka has said he's a young player, he's still maturing, but he's one. Of, and Shaka has said he's one of the best shooters I've ever coached, and he compared him to uh, Troy Daniels, who, if you follow the NBA, hit the big three against the Portland Trailblazers when he was with the Rockets, and one of the preeminent uh, three point shooters in the NBA. But um, you know, who knows how he'll develop? But for now, I mean. Now with Kerwin Roach suspended, it, it's going to be even more so with that with that green light. He's going to continue yeah, to get that him. because yeah, because he's going to have to play some more minutes. Courtney Ramey is still a freshman. He's still, I think he's one of the most improved players on the Texas roster. But again, he still the, he has those freshman freshman moments, and they're still going to have to call on Jace Fabris to step into the game, and he's going to get more and more minutes and more and more opportunities to take threes and yeah. He's gonna be pulling those threes all, all game long.
1: So looking ahead, putting Norman in the the rearview mirror here. Um, there's four games left on Texas's regular season schedule. Um, we don't really know a lot about Roach. Like we said, um, still you know waiting more on what that's gonna be like going forward. But Robert is gonna be in Waco for Texas's next game against Baylor on Wednesday. Um, what do you expect in terms of a response? Um, after that showing in Norman, maybe now that they've had a game to figure it out without Kerwin because it's once again likely he will unplay- he won't play. but um, what do you expect from a response in that game and at least going forward uh, if that team is to be without Kerwin for you know an extended period of time?
2: Well certainly we're gonna see the resolve that Texas has. Um, it's a road matchup again, a second back to back on the road. And Baylor is always a tough team that Texas faces. They run a uh, pretty tough zone defense. And if you, we just talked about how difficult it was for them to move the ball inside on Saturday. It's going to even get tougher with, uh, with what they're going to face on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to, I mean, in my opinion, Texas is going to need to find some outside shots to make it work. That's what they did last time. They, they spread Baylor out and ended up winning in a, an impressive game, one they're going to add to the uh, ledger on their NCAA tournament resume. But what I think we're going to have to see is we're going to have to see uh, if Texas can, like I said, get good spacing, make their open shots, and work the ball inside, and in whether that's a high and low game, whether that's uh, pick and roll action um, against the zone defense. I'm not exactly sure what Shaka Smart's going to, uh, you know, has up his sleeve for this one. But um, in my opinion, those are the keys to the game.
0: All right, so next you guys have heard from him. You know him. You love him because I imagine his mom is probably one of the only ones listening to it. But Clark is right here. Uh, Clark Dalton, you've got a fun fact for us. Do you have any? Well, first, before we get into a fun fact, are there any corrections? Any anything that we missed? I uh, know. All right, because we're perfect, clean slate, clean slate. Well, let's
1: it see if JT can 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 keep up the clean
0: slate
3: of his own. Oh yeah, this week,
0: clean slate of no podcast getting published. But uh, <laughs> uh, let's see any fun facts other than the fact that I cannot publish a podcast to save my life.
3: We have a very fun fact for you today. James Harden having one of the greatest seasons in recent memory just broke Wilt Chamberlain's scoring record of 30 games with his 32nd game on Saturday night against the Golden State Warriors. However, Wilt has several impressive records of himself. He holds over 90 NBA records. But there's one in particular that stands out. Wilt Chamberlain never fouled out of a basketball game. What? Never. Did they have a foul out back then? Yeah. It was the same as today, six fouls. Wilt never fouled out once. Wow.
1: Do we know how many times he hit five?
3: They didn't have that stat unfortunately but never in his in his entire NBA career from 1959 to 1973 with three different teams wait no yes three different teams never fouled out once
1: Do you I guys remember that, that time like 3 or 4 years ago when LeBron was with the Heat and
0: he didn't foul anybody for like two straight weeks
3: Yeah I thought yeah. that was, that was ridiculous. impressive So <laughs> but-
0: Chamberlain, uh, his career average was only two fouls per game, despite him going 46 minutes a game. Do you think the way and that... Playing
2: like playing down low, you know, in the paint.
1: Do you think the way that, like, stars now, like, whine for calls? Like, do you think, like, they just gave Will, like, all the benefit of the doubt? I think... I, I, I bet anything that would look
0: like a foul... Like, he would... You probably have to adjust for it cuz he was so big, he was so much more athletic and, than everybody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. You probably have to be like, I don't know with a regular height guy, that <laughs> might like, be a
1: Man, if this guy's 6-4, that's I, Yeah. That's but, no foul, man. Yeah, I don't I know what to you tell have you. To
3: remember, if you look at Wilt Chamberlain's game tape, Wilt's not like Shaq where he was a bruiser. He's a little bit different. I I wouldn't say the best modern comparison for people who watch the nba today. clark
1: is our uh, is our is our senior in 60s nba expert here <laughs> well,
3: yeah i've watched too much game film it's sad but anyway he's a little bit like anthony davis and he's lanky really good feet had the ability to kind of play around the rim so i think that's kind of why Wilt was always able to avoid that problem that a lot of centers have
0: he probably also didn't ha- yeah, he didn't have to. He was so much bigger than that. Yeah. He just put he was, his hand he just put his
3: just hand in it.
0: Did he average like
1: fifty a game?
3: And he did in a season and did not win M V P.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing the stats. They were talking about that when, when Russ won MVP a couple he years won. ago. Bill Russell. Yeah. <sighs> but I think Will didn't Will have like better stats? Oh,
3: he had way better stats. It was also the year Oscar Robertson averaged a triple That was his triple double time. year, right. Yeah.
1: It was ridiculous. I mean, like the candidates are unbelievable. How did he
3: not? Yeah, it's one of the greatest MVP races of all time.
0: All right, that's all we've got for uh, Texan Overtime this week. Uh, One thing I want to say is I just got off the phone with my sister. She's having a baby girl in July. Woo! Uh, So we're going to add one more to our loyal listenership, hopefully. Uh, I don't know how young you have to be. Wait, what if... Your sister, what if she, like, puts the headphones, like, on her stomach,
1: like, and the first thing that that baby hears is, I'm I'm JT, and I don't know how to upload a podcast.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I think they say that, like, Beethoven's good for babies to hear, so I think... You know, that, that for intelligence. So I think the baby would just become really bad at making podcasts. That, it, <laughs> I think uh, it's like a
1: reverse effect. If oh, she listens she'd be to like the best Texan podcast
0: producer of all time. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because okay.
1: she knows what to do, want not to do, I guess. Uh,
0: but you know what? Uh, I'm speaking to you, Lindsay. I'm speaking to anybody out there that might be listening. Make sure and subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. We're probably there. Uh, make sure to follow at Texan Sports on Twitter. Follow all of these guys as well. Don't know what their handles are, but you can find them by searching their name. I want to thank Ross Burkhardt, Ro- Robert Larkin, and Clark, the Stat Man, the I spend too much time on YouTube watching '60s game tape. Dalton, uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next week, maybe. maybe. <laughs>